All right, welcome everybody. Let's pray and we'll get back into uh, Romans chapter 10. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today. We pray that you would bless our time in your word. And we ask that your spirit would help us to hear it and understand it and believe it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I, I like to start out class with the, the whole, you know, what, what happened last week. Um, everybody's like, you know, oh, I tried to put that out of my mind. And, you know, it makes me so bad that I... Um, what, was there anything from last week's um, session that came to your mind through the uh, week or was beneficial to you through the week or anything like that? And if there was nothing, well, sometimes that happens. You know, but sometimes we're just not aware. Right, that's a, that's, a, that's a popular teaching that's out yeah, there, right. and, but it's not biblical, right? Yeah, yeah. So... So um, this is another one of those things that people say is in the Bible. It's not. Um, God will not give you more than you can you know, handle, yeah. which is like, no, I'm pretty sure he does all the time. <laughs> yes. and, uh, um, and, you know, and, and so sometimes people will use that to say, well, your faith is just not strong enough or, or you know, to put you down or something like that. And, and it's just not true, you know, the, the whole idea that, that God won't give you more than you can handle. You know, he gives you what he can handle and, um, and what he will do in your life. Um, it's, it's the gift that he gives and the work that he does by his grace. Galatians or, or Colossians? No, oh, my kid, I, as a kid, I always followed these Colossians words. Right. Yeah. But anyway, and it talks about us all being saved through the faith of Christ, not through faith in Christ. Um, I'm going to have to push back on that one. Oh, yeah? Well, this is the way it goes in the book, I mean, you know, it, yeah. yeah. What does it say? Um, faith in Christ. It does. Yeah. Uh, well, it, but, but it's probably within the range of how the word can be translated. Right. I don't have my Greek with me right I now, know, otherwise I would look it up. You know, this was not exactly. In terms of biblical translation, it's probably the book. Yeah, I, I don't, I, yeah. 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 Yeah, so, you know, I, and... Uh, I'll probably have to look that up and look at it in the original and see what we see. What we see. Yeah, because it, it, it's not, to me, that's not a subtle change. No. Um, <laughs> right. We um, say it because Christ is faithful, not because we have enough faith to justify our repentance. Well, I still think that the, the statement you just made there is true. Yeah. 
you know, that when we're faithless, he is faithful. Um, but I also uh, hold very firmly that the only way to receive the gifts is through faith in Christ. You know, so it's not just this universal, you know, at the end, everybody's going to be saved um, because some people reject the gift. Right. You know, so, um, and, and I, you know, as I read the scriptures, that, that's what I see here is that Jesus died for everybody. He paid for everyone's sin, but the way to receive that is through faith. So, all right. Anything else? All right, then, uh, verses 6 through 8 of uh, chapter 10. Uh, they, they say, uh, but the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. Uh, this is a citation from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, it, it's one of the books of Moses. It's actually, Deuteronomy is actually a whole sermon. It's, it's you know, Moses' farewell sermon. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes people complain about the length of my sermons. I just, you know, like to just go Deuteronomy. Um, <laughs> it, I do, think, I do think it's interesting when you look at how different traditions look at preaching. Um, what is the appropriate length for a sermon? Um, I know people who think that eight minutes is probably just a little bit too long. Uh, and in other church bodies, you know, if you're less than 45 minutes, you know, you, you, you kind of shortchange the congregation. Um, and uh, I, I haven't really been looking but I'm guessing that I'm somewhere around the 20 minute range these days and you know and, and hopefully I can get that a little bit tighter in the near future here it's actually really hard in Lent uh, it is harder to write a short sermon than it is to write a uh, a long one which sounds counterintuitive but it's it's true it's it's that going back through and trimming everything out that doesn't necessarily quote-unquote need to be there um, but uh, that's the way it is. Um, so in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I, I brought a little bit more of the context to us, and you're more than welcome to look this up in your own Bibles. Um, but 11 through 15 say, This command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It's not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, that is to get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it's not across the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it? But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. Um, so this is uh, uh, cited a couple times here in this part of, of Romans chapter 10. Um, and I think that it's always important for us to remember that we, we have a vocabulary that, that we use that's rooted in the scriptures. You know, that the way that those who have gone before us in the faith informs the way that we talk to God and talk about God. Um, so, you know, it's one of the reasons that I really encourage people to read Psalms, take those words as their own prayers, you know, use them in their own devotional life and the like. And, and that's what Jesus did in his life, and it's what Paul's doing here. He's taking those, those passages, and, and it becomes his own language. 
you know, because you can see that, you know, that word Christ is not in the uh, um, uh, Deuteronomy reading, but Paul reads it and says, this is, this is talking about Jesus, how he comes to you. And, you know, how the word came down, you know, was made flesh and dwelt among us and all of that Johannine type of language, because that's the way John talks about him. So, um, so the message of faith, it's all about God coming to us. You know, and I think that that's a really important, um, it's a really important counter message to the way that a lot of people look at uh, religion and, and what faith should be about. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned this, uh, this book that was written in the Middle Ages, The Ladder of Monks. This idea that we're going to climb our way up to heaven, we're going to you know, scrape our way up to God. But that's not at all how God works. Uh, in fact, we're not even capable of that. He comes to us, and so when when in the passage here in Romans, he's asking this question: you know, you know, who will go up? That is to bring Christ down. Who will go down to bring Christ up? No, He comes to us. Therefore, the message is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. So, yes. Yeah, um, I think that those those stories, you know, they are just very much a reflection of human religion, you know. And so, yeah, he is speaking about that type of an attitude, um, and he he's speaking to a mixed congregation here. And remember that this whole section here is rooted in the idea that uh, the Jews didn't get the scriptures right because they didn't get this God came to us. You know, and it, we're special, we're going to do all the things and look at us keep the law. It, no, it's always been about his grace. It's always been about, you know, what he's doing, how he comes. You know, so the defining um, event in you know, Jewish identity is, you know, the plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea, the Passover, right? And who did all the work there? It was all about what God did to, to save them. So, did that get at what you were asking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, how many of the religions then focus us on what we have to do? And, and, and I want to be careful with the, uh, the man-created thing, because I do think that some of this, I do think that some of the religions are spiritual. Um, you know, there are angelic beings in the world that would seek to pull us away, and that's a really good way to do it. You know, no, there's another God. Um, and some of this is, uh, I think some of those religions started with just trying to answer really difficult questions, like what is lightning? You know, where did the storm come from? Why does the sea rage? You know, all of those kinds of things. And... Uh, bad answers, but, you know, understandably uh, bad answers. Um, so. I think even within Christianity, there's resistance to scientific explanations sometimes. Yes. You know, it takes the mystery out of it. And, of course, I look at it and say, it's a great mystery to science anyway. <laughs> Read it a little deeper and you'll see that it, it's there. Uh, 
But it's that, I think, that same instinct to see, I see God in, in all these things that I can't explain. Right. And here's the explanation. God didn't go away. You know, it's just not that. Yeah, I do think, though, uh, that there have been and continue to be movements within science, oh, other yeah, church, other, you know, that, that, yeah, that this, call it naturalistic, atheistic. Um, but I think that, I think a really good, honest scientist, you know, without the Bible could come to the conclusion, you know, there's something there. Well, you know, and I think that there are a lot of them out there. It takes as much faith. Yeah, but I've got Occam's razor that deals with No, I mean, when you say, you, you were talking about oh, yeah. how things came into being. Yeah. Yeah, or, or even to just say, I don't know, it just yeah. you know, it's, it's, it happened in natural. Well, that leaves you with a lot of questions. Yeah. So it's, it's not a simplifying thing to say, oh, science. Right. No, it's, it you know when it's done when it's done well and it's done right, it's not easier. Um, and uh, and when it's done with humility, um, you know, and I think that that's part of the problem in the conversation all the way around. You know, the lack of uh, you know we, we've taken a stand and therefore we're going to dig in our heels, right. and we can't actually have a conversation about it, even even with holding you know genuine beliefs about what's going on there. So, um, yeah. Um, so uh, nine through thirteen, um, we're just flying. Uh, if uh, you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, uh, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, "Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame." since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, this, this idea of... Yes, go ahead. There's a lot of what about it? Okay. Sure. Uh, it starts out uh, in that uh, uh, verse 13 is a uh, it's a reference to Joel chapter 2 verse 32, uh, where Joel the prophet speaking you know God's word says then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for there will be an escape for those on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem as the Lord promised among the survivors the Lord calls. So the idea that uh, uh, when we come to faith and we call upon the name of the Lord, you know, that this is God's name, uh, going back to Moses at the burning bush, by my name the Lord, or Yahweh, uh, and then we receive that message and receive that name Jesus, you know, as God in human flesh, that when we call upon him, that we will be saved when we call upon him in faith and 
trust in him for our salvation. Um, so I, I really enjoy this, this little section here because um, you know, it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, can anybody anywhere say Jesus is Lord? Sure. Um, you know, there's this thing called acting where people say things that they don't mean and they don't believe all the time, right? You know, so it's not just a matter of, you know, bleh. You know, it, it's a matter of, you know, you actually believe this and, you know, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Uh, catch that because that's an important part of the message. It's not just, you know, I believe in Jesus. Um, there are a lot of people who believe that there was a historical person named Jesus who is important for the shaping of society and the way that we are. Um, I remember when I was in college, I worked security, and so I often had to work midnights. And uh, one of the guys that was a security guard was a Wiccan. Um, and we had some very interesting conversations. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I would talk with him about Jesus. He's like, no, I love Jesus. What are you talking about? I'm like, what? It, 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 but for him, he was this great teacher, almost like a philosopher, you know, and you know, I think he's really neat. He's got a lot of great things to say. You know, and I think for some people, that is how they approach Jesus. Uh, Thomas Jefferson certainly approached Jesus that way. Um, he went through his Bible and he literally cut out all of the miracles, you know, including the resurrection. Um, and and uh, we come to the conclusion through St. Paul, um, that if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, well, what's the point? You know, yeah, he maybe is a good teacher, you know. But I also kind of hold with C.S. Lewis that, you know, does Jesus claim to be God? He never comes bluntly out and says it so clearly, although last week, um, the woman at the well, yeah, ooh, he's right there, right? You know, and he has these I am statements that are recorded in the Gospel of John that are really, you know, because I am is the name of God. And, uh, um, and then uh, today in, in this reading with the uh, um, man born blind, it says that he worshiped Jesus. And Jesus wasn't like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. Right? He accepts the worship. You know, you don't accept the worship unless you're God. And, uh, uh, you know, so there, there is very much this, this sense that Jesus, you know, you know he can't be just a, a good teacher because he's claiming to be God. And if you're a good teacher, you don't, you know, you don't lie about your subject matter. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, they, they talk about him being, you know, um, you know so if, if he really does believe that he's God and he's not, then um, he's a lunatic, right? That's, that's the, uh, the, the formula, liar. He's a liar, or he's a lunatic, or he actually is the Lord. And when we look at, at Jesus' life, death, resurrection, it's really the resurrection that is ultimately the evidence that he is the Lord, that he is God who has come in human flesh and our Savior. So the resurrection is actually essential to the Christian faith. And it's key, you know, so people can say, yeah, I believe that Jesus was a real person and, you know, he had some interesting things to say and, you know, but it's really, no, did God raise him from the dead? Because that's the act that saves us. You know, he dies to pay for our sins, he rises from the dead, and death is defeated for us.
Yeah. Michael Card has a song where he, he talks about Jesus needing to be incarnated. And I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the song, and it might be the incarnation. Um, but he says that, that he did this because the Father wanted someone who could place a hand on us both, both on the Father and on us as humanity, because Jesus is God and human flesh. And he is that intercessor. And the, you know, the, the the, the bridge that stands between us. But even as I say that word bridge, then I'm like, oh yeah, but then he chooses to take the bridge. No, um, it, it's the, you know, he, he brings us to God thing, you know, and he's the only way that we, we get there. But yeah, if Christ has not been raised, it says in first, sec, no, first Corinthians 15, we are still dead in our trespasses and sins and we'd be pitied above, above all people. So, yeah. Um, and notice what, um, what belief does for us. Um, so uh, he, he says, um, if you confess with the mouth Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness. The believing is receiving the righteousness. It's how we're declared to be righteous. Yeah, and then one confesses with the mouth, uh, resulting in salvation. So the idea is that then um, it isn't just a matter of the heart, it comes out of us somehow. And, you know, in theory, that is going to be something that we're going to speak and we're going to share because, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, which is coming up in, in the same reading. Uh, and so everyone says... Every, for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Oh, um, by the way, this whole uh, confessing with your mouth, this is why we have creeds. Um, we have a vocabulary to talk about who Jesus is that's rooted in the scriptures. You know, how, how do we know that you know, we're, we're kind of you know, within the bounds of who he really is? And the, the creeds are a convenient tool for us to do that. You know, it's a good summary. Um, I like to tell my confirmands, which would you rather memorize, this or, you know, the Apostles' Creed? You know, they're like, the Apostles' Creed, yeah. Um, it, you know, and it, it's this reflection and this simmering down of um, what this says about who God is. And, and so then we, we say that, and there is a devotional way that we use the Apostles' Creed in our own, you know, day-to-day -day lives. Um, if you look in the uh, catechism, you know, what Luther recommends is that we get up in the morning, we make the sign of the cross, we say the Apostles' Creed and pray the Lord's Prayer, maybe sing a hymn, and then off to work you go. You know, this idea that the Apostles' Creed is part of our day-to-day -day life, it's taking us back to our baptism, you know, is good and it's right. And it's something that we confess even on our own. But there's also this element of it that we do together 
we speak this as a, a congregation, as a fellowship, and, and that we kind of bind ourselves as the body of Christ to this confession and say, this is what we believe. And for the, 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 those three ancient creeds, um, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed, those are ones that across Christendom, uh, you know, almost everybody is going to say, yes, this is what we believe. And then you get your splitting out about other things from there. But there is a, uh, what would you call it, a bedrock that we go back to that's summarized for us in the creeds. Um, and it's also why we do confirmation. You know, uh, when I was in confirmation, I was pretty sure that it was just, you know, torment. Um, but uh, no, the reason for it is that at some point we want the kids to be able to confess their faith and they need to know what is it that we, we believe. And, you know, there is a passage from the Gospel of Matthew that we use with confirmation where Jesus says, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. So this idea that we actually stand up and say, yeah, I, I believe, it, it's, it's baked into the system. It's part of who we're supposed to be. And it's connected to uh, our salvation. And again, um, the rites, R-I-T-E-S, the liturgies, rooted in the scriptures, they give us vocabulary, they give us language, they form the way that we speak. Yeah. Yeah, to have those reminders, those, um, those habits and disciplines that bring us back to God's word, that's, that, that's very valuable for us. And even with those, uh, like the mezuzah and stuff, the scripture. So it's God speaking to us first, and then it's like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm really fascinated by those, those old habits and you, you and I would include with that, you know, the, the old ways of doing worship, especially the ones that have stood the test of time. There's value there. Um, I, I sometimes worry uh, in the modern church about the way that some churches, it's almost like they, they think they don't have a liturgy, but they do. You know, it's, you know, because a liturgy is basically just your format of what you're going to do, right? Uh, so we're going to have four songs and a long sermon and a prayer and off you go. That's their liturgy. Um, and I, I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But we also have these long traditions and we can look back in, at what the, you know, the Jews did in the, the first century. We have glimpses of what they did you know, with the tabernacle and with the temple. And there are things that we can pull from that that are absolute gold, you know, to guide us in our worship and to teach us how to speak to the Lord. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that going back to those ancient uh, forms are very helpful for us and that there's a lot of benefit for us there. You know, we learn to speak from those who are older than us. Yeah. 
now I think we can pick out a verse and that. Here's my verse printed. Back then we had to memorize. Yep. Which I was never good at, but this was short enough that just like it picked something that meant something to me to begin with, I didn't have too much trouble. There was one kid who went to the same church, he was the same age, and didn't know him. I didn't see him very often. And we were going through the rehearsal, and it came time to do his memory verse. Okay. Back then they, they said retarded. Yeah. He, he, you know, he struggled really with anything like that. And that totally, it changed my image of that pastor. Sure. That who would react that way knowing that someone had that? Yeah. I, I don't know if I teach this anything. I think that it is worth keeping in mind that not everybody is at the same faith level, same intellectual level, same maturity level, and they're going to approach things differently. Um, and, and people have different capacities. Um, you know, so I've, I've, I've wrestled with this in terms of confirmation because part of me really, really wants the kids to have the whole catechism memorized and really have that down because I know the value of, of having things like that in your head and in your heart. Um, but more and more I'm finding that the kids uh, do not have the capacity to do that. You know, and, and I don't think that it's actually that they don't have the capacity. They don't have any other part of their life where they have to do something like that. And so they don't have the skills you know, to, to do the memorization. Because you know, if, if your kids, you know, I'm going to pick on the public schools because theoretically a good Lutheran school is going to be giving the kids you know, um, memory work and they're supposed to be doing this. But the reality is they're struggling there with that as well. Um, but if a kid is coming up through the, the, the public schools, um, what do they have to memorize? Um, I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I had to do um, Mark Anthony's, is it Mark Anthony? That's, that's not, friends, Romans, countrymen, give me a beer. It goes like that, I think. Um, at the time, I, yeah, I, I had that one down. I had to, I had to memorize uh, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and Casey at the bat. And my classmates had, most of them had never had to memorize anything before that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have a lot of trouble remembering that. Yeah. 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 Yes. Right. Yeah. 
And, and how do we meet people where they're at to help them to make that good confession? You know, to, you know that I believe in Jesus and I trust in him. And believe me, um, for those of you who have not been to Rejoicing Spirits, uh, those kids, they confess their faith. I mean, it's just, I call them kids. They're, they're, not, they're not even kids. Um, m most of them are adults, you know, so. Um, yeah, Iftikhar. I probably have a long answer. In a way, for sure, um, because you, you are you are retelling what the scriptures have said, you know. And so you see God as your Creator, you see Him as your Redeemer, you see Him as the one who um, walks with you and leads you through your life of faith, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then you speak to Him, you know, in the uh, Lord's Prayer, which is also Scripture, you know. And, and you know, so yeah, God uses that to strengthen your faith and, and to build you up yeah uh, um this past friday was uh saint patrick's day right? right um there is one hymn that we have uh which is allegedly from saint patrick but you know some of these things in the in the far back past are a little bit murky um but uh um glorious hymn and uh um i've been told it's too difficult to sing but it's it's not. Um, but it, the opening words are, I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity. Which brings us you know, to that idea of baptism, but it also brings us to the idea that I am confessing the faith that I have received. I bind unto, this is, this is who I am, and this is my protection, this is my life. You know, and uh, I, you know, I, I think that hymn is beautiful. And, um, just one of those things where we, we look at our life of faith and it's like, how do I go through this world? Well, I'm going to go through this world in my baptism and in this forgiveness and salvation that Christ has brought to me. Um, what's that? Yeah, yeah. Because he's come to us and look what he's done. And so I'm taking that name and I'm holding on to it. Yeah. Um, uh, another way that, uh, that we can look at um, this, everyone who, who believes in God will not be put to shame, uh, comes from Isaiah 28, verse 16. Look, I've laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious stone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshakable. You know, that's where that idea in verse 11 comes from. Um, and notice again, verse 12, no distinction between Jew and Greek. This, this is really, how does God come to us? It is not about, you know, your background. It's not about where you were born. Um, 
I have so many people that when they come in, they're like, yeah, my grandma was Lutheran. Well, that's fantastic. What about you? You know, you know, everybody in the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe. This faith has to be our faith individually, even as we confess it together as, as a, a body in a congregation. And we believe together, um, but it's, it's the, all the eyes coming together that makes the we. Uh, so, um, the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. So this passage that, um, that Iftikhar got us started on, where it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, um, is from Joel chapter 2, uh, verse 32. Um, anybody know another place in the New Testament where this passage is cited? In Acts chapter 2, this is what Peter preached about at Pentecost. There's just this idea that salvation is for everyone who hears and believes. All right, um, verses 14 and 15. Uh, some real pragmatic questions. You know, so if you know, this whole thing and everything calls on, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, uh, how then can they call on him that they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach without, unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So, how will they learn to call on Jesus? It's actually a pretty pragmatic question. Um, you know, how did you come to believe in Jesus? You know, yeah, yeah. So your parents raised you in the faith, and that's the case. I'm guessing for probably most of us in, in the you know that grew up in a Lutheran congregation. We were probably baptized when we were babies, and this has never not been part of our lives. You know, um, if the car story is a little bit different. Yeah. You know, and uh, in the time of the New Testament, you don't have so much that, you know, you, you were raised in a Lutheran family or Christian family or any, you know, you may have been raised in a Jewish family, you know, and have the promises of the Messiah. But maybe um, when, when, when Jesus ascends into heaven, there's maybe 150 Christians. Maybe. I don't know. 
Um, after Pentecost, you get another 4,000 uh, that day. You know, and I'm going to guess that some of those were people who were already kind of on the bubble because you're just a short time after Jesus' death and resurrection there. These are people who heard Jesus preaching and teaching in Jerusalem. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and then it just out into the world because people are going out and they're telling about Jesus. And, and the Spirit is working through that to bring people to faith. But somebody has to share the good news. Um, there is a, uh, uh, we're, we're, I mean, we're talking about evangelism. And uh, evangelism means speaking the good news. And I, I think sometimes, you know, we get kind of a little bit, I don't like to talk about these things. They get awkward. They bring us into conflict with people and we disagree and, and these kinds of things. But the only way people will come to believe in Jesus is if we talk about it. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Because sometimes people are like, you know, that, that's the only thing. Just talk. No. You know, the program's bigger than that. You know, it, I mean, there are people who will hear the gospel. Just by hearing it, they're going to come to faith. But I think a lot of times people come to faith through relationships and conversations. And over time, they hear that message come from us over and over again until they come to faith. But it still had to be spoken. Yeah. I think sometimes it's got to be gentle. I think there are other people who come to faith through the other. You get in their face and you really challenge their presuppositions and they're like, whoa, whoa. You know, I think some people have to be shaken up. I think some people have to be um, gently loved. I think other people have to be, um, you know, just this long patience. I think people are different and there are going to be different approaches with different people. But in all of them, at some point, somebody has to say something about Jesus and what he's done for us and who he is for people to come to faith. Yeah. 
You know, it, so to evangelize means to share good news. And normally when we use that word, we think about it in terms of I am somebody who has the good news. This person over here does not have the good news. So it's my job to share the good news with them. Um, I'm looking at a group of Christians. The good news is Jesus died to pay for your sins. Do you like to hear that message? Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes we find ourselves in positions in our lives too where we are trapped in sin or we are dealing with guilt or struggles and troubles and we need to hear, we need to be evangelized. You know, that the good news is for you. And, and I think that this is one of the things that sometimes uh, Christians get goofed up on. You know, oh, you have the good news. You know, so I don't really need to talk with you about good news. So let's just talk about you do all the right things and behave yourself in certain ways and make it into a morality play. No, we need to talk about, you know, yes, your, your life should change and you should live differently. But you still need this message of forgiveness. And you still need to receive that gift of forgiveness through the sacraments and, and through the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah, it's fruit. You know, um, so you mentioned uh, Galatians earlier. Um, there's a very famous passage toward the end talking about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and, and, and yeah, I, do, I, I, I use this example all the time, but the apple tree in your yard, do you have to tell it to grow apples? You know, it just does. And I think, I think that there's a, uh, that's a good picture for what happens when God works in our lives. These are things that change. Now, does it change the same way and at the same rate that we would like to see all the time? No. Um, the apple tree in our front yard this last year, the leaves were gone before the end of August and we had next to no, we got no apples off of it. Very few grew on it this past year, you know, for whatever reason, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I was kind of disappointed by the fruit in my tree and uh, following that, uh, that, that example or that illustration, sometimes I'm kind of disappointed in the fruit in my own life. And I look at the lives of people that, you know, you know, watching them grow in the faith. Sometimes I'm disappointed in the fruit in their lives. So what do they need? Do they need me to harangue them? Or do they need me to say, your sins are forgiven? You know, live in Christ and then continue to trust that Jesus and his spirit continue to work in that person to bring about good fruit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> right. Um, you know, so... I think a lot of times there is this impression that if somebody's going to come to faith, I have to make that happen. Baloney. It doesn't work that way, right? 
you know, I mentioned confirmation earlier that, you know, uh, the, the third article of the creed, the explanation, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, you know, which by extension, I can't make somebody else believe either. But the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens. You know, it, and I, so I, I keep talking about this all about faith. Even sharing the gospels about faith, trusting that God is going to do his work in people's lives. Raising our children, how much faith is involved with that, you know, as we watch them and they start to make their own choices and go in directions that we're like, ah, I don't approve of that or, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. Will the Lord continue to work in their lives to bring them to where he needs them to be? which may not necessarily be where I need them to be. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Marvel is playing with this uh, multiverse idea, you know, and, uh, you know, and in the multiverse there are all these different possibilities and so on and so forth and uh you know and in that you know there's a certain truth that i'm not saying the multiverse is real but the idea that there are all these different possibilities that lay out in front of us and others and and who knows well the lord knows but these are not things that we can we can do so all right let's uh wrap up here and we'll pray and we're going to come back to verses 14 and 15 um this evangelism type of conversation when we get back to uh, this next week. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that we could be here today and we pray that you would bless your word, that your spirit would work through us, through it in us to shape us and to form us and that you would indeed uh, lead us through this life and shape us to be the people that you intend for us to be, to bear the fruit you want us to bear. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.